Welcome to the Thriving on Purpose podcast, where we teach Christian entrepreneurs how to build a strong foundation of faith, growth, and skill to lead and thrive on purpose in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, certified coaches, Elizabeth and Sebastian Richard. Hi guys, welcome to this episode of the Thriving on Purpose podcast. I am Sebastian Richard and I'm here with the birthday girl, Elizabeth Richard, who turns 38 today. Yes. Happy birthday, sweetheart. And uh, thank you. For the occasion, it's really special because today we're going to do an episode that's dedicated to women. It's the first top women episode. And what we mean by top women, we mean Thriving on Purpose women episode dedicated entirely for women. We did a couple for men, and today we're going to do one for women. The, the reason we're doing an episode for women is because we've noticed that it seems to be a recurring theme on social media, on YouTube. I've seen tons of videos uh, for women on how to find a godly man, a godly uh, date, a godly husband. Uh, it's all over the place. There's all kinds of advice, but most of them pretty much align, I mean, generally speaking. We have our own take on it, and we are going to give you what we think are the five things to look for in a Christian husband. Yes, so we we brought a few um, points for you um, based on, you know, some some of what the scriptures say, but also on a compilation of different things that we've been taught when we... Uh, we're also seeking to look for a mate when we were pretty young and you know we both uh, had our own journey and we both you know had some counsel from Christian men and Christian women. Um, I had some in a Bible college and Sebastian had some guidance when he was at church when he was young. So there's different things that we we've seen through time that um, we've seen that this is such a pain point, and I think that with time passing, I don't know if it's because now we're in a more a modern age and, you know, women have changed and there's a little more feminism or, you know, there's been changes in the church and stuff, but I think that there's a lot of uh, guidance that uh, young women uh, today and even women that are older, uh, maybe, you know, you've been in a previous relationship that went bad and... Um, you know, you're, you're you're giving it a second go and you're looking for somebody. Mm-hmm. So I think that the, these steps, these, you know, this woman's guide basically is really going to help you to look for the right things to really um, choose the right mate for you. Yeah, whether you're 25 or 50 and, and you, you know, you're looking for a second husband, these pointers, we believe, are universal for all women. And uh, for all ages, too. So yeah. they're really good for that. And as you guys know, we're certified coaches. So we've we've done our trainings for coaching. And uh, so when we do uh, coaching, there's a lot of things that pertain to relationships that we teach people, um, Christian men and women. So we're compiling a lot of our good advice at the mm-hmm. same time and things that we've learned along the way. Yeah. Uh, we've been married for 16 years. So... As you know, good men are hard to find, but not all taken. And I know that a lot of women in church sometimes have Well, they basically feel... have the mentality, all the good ones are taken. Yeah. Right? I've heard that so many times, and it's just not true. That's a scarcity mindset, and it's wrong. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. So the first point that we're going to focus on is a man with a heart for God. So how to identify a man with a heart for God? Do you want to elaborate, Sebastian? Well, I'm not a woman, first of all. Um, But I do know what the Bible teaches about what a godly man should be like. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you got to keep in mind, if you're a woman, that you're going to be looking for the person who's going to become, by God's appointment, the leader of the household. So you got to look for someone that you can look up to. Okay, and oftentimes that's a big problem, especially in today's day and age. Women tend to be very educated 
and uh, sometimes they have a very good career going and sometimes they're entrepreneurs themselves, they're thriving, they're flourishing. It's easy for women today to look down on men and it's becoming harder and harder for women today to look up to men and it's it's kind of a, a problem because there's more and more educated women out there there's more and more of these uh, women who are thriving doing things on their own so the ratio of men who they can look up to seems to be becoming smaller and smaller the percentage of these types of men that they're going to be uh, attracted to because they look up to them as leaders as potential mates it's becoming harder for women to find these these types of guys so what often ends up happening even in the church is that they settle they settle for uh, the type of guy that is not the man that should uh, run a household that's going to be a, a godly strong husband so it's a big problem so there's some things that women need to look for and godliness is the first one and, and this number one point cannot be overemphasized here's what i believe okay we're going to talk about the five things to look for in a christian husband this is the number one okay you want a man with a heart for god in other words a man that has godliness if he has that and lacks the four others you can still work with that <laughs> if he has the four others but doesn't have that don't even date him it's that important. So that number one point is huge. And I know that for for younger women, it's uh, harder to understand what that means. Uh, a godly man, um, you know, you might be dating somebody that's in his early 20s and you don't see everything that he's about because he's young and he's just starting his life, basically. But I was there, you know, years ago when I was dating Sebastian, I was 19, this is one of the things that was was so important to me was does he love God because you can say you love God and you can do the church motions and you know and what I mean by motions a lot of people in church just do the religious thing you know they go to church on Wednesday night they go to church on Sundays and they say they read their Bibles but you know does he really really love God to the point where He's always talking about things he's discovering in scripture mm -hmm. and fascinated with God's word. Uh, does it matter to him if he's pleasing God or displeasing God in his actions in, in the daily decisions that he makes for his life? Like these things were all things that really um, stood out for me with Sebastian and I knew that he really wanted to please God more than anything. So I knew that even if he was young, and at the time uh, when I got married, I was 21 and he was 27. So he was older than I was. But I could see so much of, you know, his heart for God that it was, it, that for me was so very important. And I was told in Bible college when we did some teachings on how to, how to be a good Christian woman and, you know, the different spiritual aspects of that and how to look for a good Christian man. That was one of the, the main points. And they were trying to educate us on that and uh, help us to, you know, have guidance in that, what that, what that looks like. And, you know, if you're young and you're in the church, then you have other godly men that you can look up to as examples. And like I said, you know, if the, the guy's young, you have to give him a chance to to, to live his life, to, to show what he's about. But obviously you won't see the same fruits of a Christian godly man at 40 as you would at 20, right? So you, yeah. you have to be... I call that the diamond in the rough factor. Yeah. So you got to be able to recognize those diamonds in the rough because yeah. when a guy is 20 years old, 25... He's not going to demonstrate the same level of maturity as a 40-year-old. And that's perfectly normal. But you have to look for certain things. Uh, there's a quote I wrote down here and I want to share with you. And by the way, it comes from me. So if you want to tweet it, just write my name next to it. That'd be great. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> kidding here. But it's a really good quote. I, 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 when I wrote it, I, I really felt this was accurate. A man with the heart of a king will treat you like a queen. 
So look at his heart. I know that there's so many other factors that um, especially younger women will, will look at and even the older ones, you know, uh, does he have money? Does he, uh, I don't know, is, is he flashy or is, is he charming? And all these things are really good, but I, I see them as the icing on the cake. The heart for God, the, does he have a heart of a king? That's kind of harder to find. It's, it's really, you're going to see that more in the things like how he treats his mom, how he treats people that are beneath him. And when I say that, I mean uh, people that can't do anything for him. Look at how that God behaves with people who can do nothing for him. Does he treat them with respect, with kindness? That tells volumes about the heart of a man. Mm -hmm. So these are little things you can look at that are going to give you a pretty good insight into the, the man's heart. My mom always told me that um, before she passed away, when I was 16, uh, we had some conversations and she always said, look at how he treats his mother because she says he, you know, that is the one person, you know, the first experience that he's had uh, with a, a female figure. And if he respects her and he treats her really well, um, and his sisters as well, you know, other female figures in the family, then obviously he's going to treat you well. Because, you know, when, when you get married and there's the mundane things of life, then, you know, the romance kind of um, changes and the passion, you know, changes. And there's like ups and downs and stuff because things happen in life, right? Mm -hmm. So you really, that's a good gauge for you to know, you know, how things are going to be in the future. If he knows how to treat his mom with respect and love, then pretty much he's learned a, a good foundation, right? And there's something that bothers me that I've seen throughout my years as a believer. Uh, I've oftentimes seen women complain that they can't find a good man, a good husband, or this or that. And yet, oftentimes, they're right under their noses. And they ignore these guys. And they look for guys at work. They look for guys at school. They look for guys in all other environments where... It's hit or miss. I mean, let's be honest, the percentage of Christians out there is not that high. So why do you even bother looking among unbelievers for the values, for the the character that only a man who loves God will demonstrate? And, and I've seen so many women do that and they start dating the guy. He's an unbeliever. And then they invite him to church. They want, and it's common. Guys don't do that as much. Guys are not. Guys are more gonna look. You know, they're Christians. They're serious in their faith. They're gonna look for a Christian woman. But the women, for some reason, they, they want to play savior with the guy. Yeah. They have the need to. Ah, oh, I. He's so wonderful. He's a great guy. He's charming. If he comes to church, and he accepts Jesus and he converts, I know he's gonna make a great man. Yeah, but that's a lot of ifs. I mean, seriously, do you have all that time to waste? And, and it, it might happen. But even if it does, let's suppose it does happen. If you've known the Lord for 10 years and you date this guy and he does convert, what does that make him? It makes him a baby Christian. He just converted. How can he possibly be a spiritual leader in your couple? If you have 10 years of experience walking with God and he's got 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I've seen that time and again. And for some reason, all these relationships were doomed from the start. Because what ended up happening is that they got married and you could see the marriage was uh, not going well because the woman was trying to be the spiritual leader yeah because she was always trying to encourage the guy to pray more with her to read the scriptures more to be the spiritual leader sometimes i, I would hear these women complain why don't you take charge more well hello he's taking charge for the level of maturity he has but unfortunately you've been walking with god so much longer that what he can bring to the table maybe doesn't bless you in the way that it should Exactly. So if he hasn't been raised in a Christian home where he's had the examples and the foundation of what it is to uh, lead, uh, a, you know, godly um, servant leadership, if you want, towards 
his father towards his mother, he hasn't seen this for many years, then he has no gauge on how to guide you spiritually, uh, to bring you up in your faith, to uh, do all those things that solidify a marriage, which is basically, you know, uh, devotionals and praying together. And most importantly, when you're trying, when you're going to have kids down the road, you automatically will want him to raise your kids in Christian values that and teach so them uh, Christian things. And that's where it becomes very rocky because oftentimes uh, the Christian guy that was saved not that long ago is very lenient, very uh, you know, not it's not that important. I wasn't raised like that. And look how I mm-hmm. turned out. And I've seen so many problems. And uh, I've seen a lot of women, uh, you know, go through a lot of pain because they wanted so badly for their husband to step up and to automatically like grow spiritually like five years and grow a spiritual backbone six months right you know he he can only give what he has you know and and it's a process and he's in a learning process and so it's just it's just risky that's all we're saying it's a risk that you take um thinking you know it thinking that because he's saved he's gonna nose nose dive in his bible and become this spiritual giant that you need mm-hmm. uh it's not going to happen let's be honest and, and that approach that that is more common than we think has actually caused a lot of sunday widows they call yeah. them that basically these women who go to church with their kids on sunday and the guy stays home and watches football yeah um because it, it was a could have been not a true conversion or maybe he just feels a disconnect with his wife and a disrespect from her, so he just doesn't want to engage as a result. That's also a possibility. But there's so many potential problems when a woman who is, um, you know, who's got some years of maturity in her walk with God, who seeks a, 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 an unbeliever, is just a no-no. Don't do that. Uh, there's actually some interesting statistics here. A survey found that if a child is the first person in a household to become a Christian, there is a 3.5% probability everyone else in the household will follow. Okay, so that's, let's say, mom and dad aren't Christians, and the child has a friend who's a Christian and he converts. Well, there's only a 3.5% probability that everyone else in the household would follow that. If the mother is the first person in the household to become a Christian, then there is a 17% probability everyone else in the household will follow. So this is quite higher than if it's a child. But 17% is not that great. So the mom's the queen of the household. It's, it's a significant role. We know how influential our mothers are. And yet, if the mother converts, only 17% of the whole household will follow. However, get this. Now, this is huge for, for you women out there. To understand just how important it is to have a man who loves God? Here it is. When the father is the first one to convert, there is a 93% probability that everyone else in the household will follow. Now that statistic speaks volumes of the importance of the male headship of a man who loves God. So this is why that I said that point cannot be overemphasized. That's just how important it is, okay? There's a meme I saw uh, on Facebook once. I thought it was so beautiful because you saw a woman who was dancing with Jesus and it was kind of nice painting, very nice. It said underneath, it said, be so busy dancing with Jesus that he will have to ask permission to cut in. And I'm going to tell you something. If you as a woman are very much in love with God and a man has the backbone to want you to want to step up and be the man that you would be proud of, that demonstrates a lot of character right there. So pay attention if there's a guy who wants to cut in while you're dancing with Jesus. Yeah, that's really nice. And... um also, I would I would say, you know, it's kind of like a mirror. I hear so so many women say that they're looking for this, they're looking for that, and they have this super long list. But if you ask them, okay, well, if I'm if I um, would ask you, do you have any of those ten points, for example, 
Um, most of them would kind of question if they do. So, you know, if you're, you have to be reasonable. If you're asking for, you know, the moon and you just have so many criterias, then you have to also work on yourself and um, become that godly woman as well. Absolutely, so, yeah. So, you know, it's... That's it's, the first thing. If you're single, you need to concentrate on yourself to become the best man or woman that God wants you to be. Yeah, and you know, it's it's about having your personal relationship with God, but it's also about growing as a woman and respecting yourself and loving yourself for, you know, for the the princess that God created, you know, the princess of the king. So if you are not behaving like a princess of the king, mm -hmm. you're not respecting yourself in the way you dress, you're not respecting yourself in the way you talk. Don't expect to attract a godly man. They're, they won't be attracted to you. Exactly. It's that simple. Yeah. You know, I've been to so many churches where I can really, like, I had no idea. If I didn't know I was in a church, if I looked at the way the, the women were dressed, I thought I was in, you know, some kind of club or something. It was really, like, yeah. you know, it, it really struck me, you know. So you need to... Um, just think you know what what would attract a godly man you have to respect yourself you have to conduct yourself in a ladylike manner mm -hmm. you know and that counts for a lot does he you know do when you go into a secular uh, place and there's people that are not saved are they careful with the way they speak to you knowing that you ooze out spiritual christian perfume let's say you know, like I've been into shops. I've worked in shops where there were guys that were very, very uh, crude, disgusting. OK, yeah. and um, it was a government position, a government job. So I, I started doing that because of the money and because, you know, uh, sorting mail and stuff. But the guys that I was around were not very respectful kind of men. OK, so a lot of them were, you know, the beer bottle kind of guys that swear in the back of trucks and stuff. But every time they were around me, they just would shut up and never swear. And if ever one of them would say anything by accident, they'd look at me and say they're sorry. Yeah. Okay, so the, why did that happen? It's because I respect myself. I was careful in the language I used, yeah. um, the way I dressed, the way I conducted myself. So they knew that I would look at them like, you know, what are you doing? You know, mm -hmm. if they would talk to me that way. And yet there's other women around that they wouldn't even think twice that they would start swearing with and saying, you know, crude jokes. Why? Because they can feel that these women do not respect themselves. Now, obviously, we're talking about secular, non, you know, a non-Christian environment. But the effect is there anyway. But in the church realm, there is some of that, too. There are some ladies that do not respect themselves uh, you know, and they know what the Bible says about sex before marriage and they know all these things, but, you know, they just don't respect themselves and Christian men won't respect you either. And you will attract the Christian man that, that, you know, you're attracting with the way you're attracting him. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's better, you know, and I know a lot of young women, they just want attention and they want men to look at them and this and that, but that's not what you want when you're in a church. That's not what you want. You don't want a man to be looking at your legs. You want him to be, you know, looking at your heart, uh, trying to get to know you because you're a wonderful person, because you're funny, because you have a lot of uh, characteristics that he wants to get to know. So you want to attract serious contenders that want your hand and not guys that just want to have fun because yeah. there are those guys in churches too. Don't be fooled. Yeah, and when it comes to the dress code... Uh... Paul Washer once mentioned a good uh, rule of thumb, if you will. He said, if the way you dress acts as a frame for your face, it works. If it acts as a frame for your body, you shouldn't wear it. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was a good uh, rule of thumb for women to know how to dress and uh, yeah, attract the attention in the right place, right? Exactly. So point number two is a man who knows his purpose. Okay, so this is so important it is crucial because uh, a man who does not know his his purpose his life mission okay will be completely miserable and will make you miserable so maybe you'd like to expand on that yeah well 
You've kind of experienced that a little bit, Liz. Uh, yep. <laughs> actually, I'm being polite here. Not a little bit, quite a bit, actually. Before I found my purpose, I was miserable. I was depressed. I was aimless. I didn't know where I was going. And guess what happens to the woman who's with you when you're like that as a man? Obviously, she's going to be miserable. She's not going to be happy. And she might end up being depressed. And she's going to start looking down on that man and a man needs to find first and foremost his purpose and as men it's not always easy me i, I came from a, a background of divorce and emotional turmoil and i was so I, I so wanted to find a wife that was for me that was the the end all be all i saw my parents divorce twice and I was like, this is not going to be me. It's, I'm going to make it work. And I, oh, I'm going I'm to be a great husband. And so I kind, of, I kind of deified marriage or put it on a pedestal. Like to, to, I so wanted to succeed at marriage that I made it my life's purpose. And yet it wasn't. And so I got married, but I had not found what I was supposed to do, what my life's mission was, why God put me on this earth. And as a result, while I was looking and thinking and considering and being depressed, well, my wife was being depressed as well. So when a man hasn't found himself, stay away. He's not ready for marriage. Simple as that. I don't care if he's 45. I don't care if he's 25. If he hasn't found his purpose, Stay away from that man because he's just going to drag you down. I don't care if he's a millionaire. I don't care if it, it doesn't. It's not, by the way, it's not because he's a millionaire that he's found his purpose. Okay. He might still just be doing it as a job and he just happens to be really good at that. So you need to pay attention. Has this guy found what it was put on earth for? At least, um, you know, for, for me, I can say that. Sebastian was always seeking for his purpose. Um, so he was doing a blue collar job, very miserable doing it. And that, you know, that played a toll on our, on our marriage. It really did weigh down our marriage at times. And um, when he was able to get to that point where I'm going to trust God and I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask him unceasingly and he's going to, I know he's going to answer me. And then you know, God did answer him with time and uh, with the different, you know, um, journey that he took. And, he, you know, he was always obedient and seeking. So that made it um, livable. You know, there's men out there that are just miserable and they just don't know their purpose and they just do their mundane thing in and out. And the only fun that they have is Friday night when they can, you know, go out and have a beer and then finally live on the weekend those guys are not going to be happy with a routine of having children, of doing the mundane things in life because they already don't like what they're doing with exactly. their work. And and that's the risk. That's the danger because, you know, Sebastian could have been the type of person that said, you know, well, that's my life and I'm going to accept it and it sucks and I just don't like what I'm doing and just dragged his whole family down because we know, you know, if if he's not happy, then the whole family feels it, right? Yeah, well, see, I just want to interject here because we often hear that and even when I asked for your hand in marriage, your dad took a piece of paper and he wrote that very sentence down on a piece of paper and he gave it to me and it said, happy wife, happy life. And we've all heard it, and we hear it in church all the time. And it's true, but here's the thing. Husbands need to be happy as well. In fact, it's crucial that they are, <laughs> just as much as the woman. And so I saw, uh, recently I saw someone who wrote, it should say instead, happy spouse, happy house. Because both need to be happy. Right. The woman and the man need to be happy in order for the household and, and the couple to, to, you know, to, to go well. So I think that's very important to, to, uh, to mention. Also, you mentioned, uh, uh, you know, when men become aimless and uh, they, don't, they don't have a purpose and all they think about is drinking beer or uh, going to sports events or, you know, hanging out with their friends. Well, I came to the conclusion that one of the best clues to know 
if your man is living with purpose is to looking at how he spends his spare time. Okay, and here's a here's a good clue, a rule of thumb for you women out there. Okay, if the man you're with has a man cave instead of a study, chances are he hasn't found his purpose, unless he actually has a job in high-level sports and he's like a coach or something, <laughs> you know, making a good living at it. But if he if if he has a man cave instead of a study there's a good chance he hasn't found his purpose. Because man caves are just for entertainment. They're just for uh, men who escaping. drag... Escaping. They're just for men who drag themselves from Monday to Friday, waiting, you know, waiting desperately for Friday to come so they can spend time in their man cave all weekend, you know, watching sports events with their buds and drinking their bud. You know what I mean? Exactly. And, you know, if you're young and you're looking for you know, for a spouse, then, you know, maybe these things are not so obvious to you because young men won't, you know, show these things as much. But you can see, you know, if he's only about sports, if he's only about doing, you know, thrill kind of things, and he's not able to, you know, do things with you, quieter things and, you know, get more deep and spiritual and, you know, have a depth to himself. So, you know, have some purpose in the sense that does he have dreams? Does he have goals? Like is, you know, you might be with somebody that is not doing what he necessarily dreamt of doing, but aspires to do something else and has plans to study or to change his life around doing, he let's say he has a plan. Well, that's positive because he won't be down and depressed. Yeah. You know, he has, he's working towards something. Yeah. So, you know, especially if he's a Christian, then, you know, sometimes like we get involved in, for example, if your dad was an electrician, you started doing the business, but it's not really something that you love doing and you'd rather do something else, like be a sports coach, for example. Well, you know, if you have a plan and you're you're going towards that plan, you're going to be positive and you're not going to drag the other person down with you, right? So so these are just things to, to look for. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with having a, a study or a man cave once in a while to uh, retrieve yourself, to, to have some quiet time to read. You know, sometimes m my husband will say, like, I'm going, I'm retrieving to my man cave, but I know that means I'm well, going to study. I don't study. have a man cave, but I just have an office. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, like, I know he's going to just take time and, and do some research and things that are he's passionate about, right? But where we're talking about the dangerous man cave, we're talking more of a secluded area where you're not allowed to be in. And it's just like, I'm always in there. And, and it's decorated. All weekend. <laughs> and, you know, like, I don't have time for my kids because I'm just watching my sports and my football and whatnot. And you're just like, you know, he can't, he just can't be bothered to spend time with his family. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah, and I, don't want, and I don't want people to misconstrue what I'm saying either because... There's nothing wrong with having a man cave if you have other areas where you're living the deeper life. Mm -hmm. Okay? Uh, for some guys, sports is a passion. That's I understand that. That's fine. I mean, I, I, I like hockey myself. But, I, you know, as, as I grew in responsibility, hockey took a back burner for me. I mean, I... I, I I used to scream my head off watching hockey games. Remember that, Liz, when we were dating? Yeah. And uh, obviously, you know, you, you enter marriage, then you, one kid, two kids, three kids. Life changes. Life evolves. And if you don't evolve with it, guess what? You're just staying behind. That's all I'm saying. I'm just, like, there's nothing wrong with having a man cave if you already have something else. But if that's all you got, there's a problem. Exactly. So another point is number three is a man with common goals, background and interests. So this is really, really important. And a lot of uh, women don't see to what extent it's important. Oh, my goodness. Because, you know, there's this, you know, common thought that, you know, we're all different and we have to accept our differences. And so I like doing this. He doesn't like doing that, but it's okay. You know, there's this one thing that we like doing together and let's hold on to this one thing. Well, there has to be more than that. Like there has to be more than just your passion for both golfing. Okay. Like there has to be common goals where you're going in life. 
the things that you want out of life have to be similar. Your ambitions and everything that you dream of together. I mean, sure, you can have separate dreams. I mean, me and, and Liz have separate dreams, but you have to have common dreams. Too. We also have common dreams. Yeah, there you go. So, you know, there's different different things that we hold on to. But when we were talking about marriage in the beginning, when we actually were dating, this was something that we were right away um, clear about. On the same page. You know, do you want kids? Yes or no? Uh, you know, where do you see yourself living? What kind of life do you see yourself living? Are you a country person, a city person? How do you want to raise your kids? What kind of religion do you want to raise them in? Uh, your family background like are you very different in your family background have you been raised rich and you're gonna marry or looking to marry someone a poor yeah and that you know and that was a big pain point in our marriage uh, and there were some growing pains definitely because Liz came from a upper middle class background and I came from a very poor background you know, not even worker beneath that because my, my father was on welfare most of the time. So it's not yeah. even worker class. It was beneath, below that. So, um, and I knew that that's not what I wanted to give my kids. And yet, when you're raised knowing only that, it's harder to bring a higher level than what you've known. You know, exactly. to up your game. So obviously, uh, Liz came in that game with, with a higher level. And I wanted to play at her level, but I wasn't always able to. Uh, so there was some growing pains on my part there. And there was, Liz had to be patient and understanding along the way. Because it was not easy for me to, I guess, be ambitious for more. Or to understand the dynamics of going higher in life in that particular sphere. You know, I was I was very spiritual. I loved God with all my heart, but that doesn't necessarily compensate for all your what you're lacking, for for what what, what you, you haven't up, been taught, or what, what you, you haven't, haven't been taught, seen. or what you didn't grow up with. So yeah, there's definitely there were some growing pains there. Uh, so the background, yeah. The so education. look look for different things that you both like doing that you have common. Uh, interests obviously but not just that I think a lot of Christian couples look too much to that <laughs> you know we like to do different sports and different things before we had kids and then all that took uh, you know a lot of that we just stopped doing when we started having a family because we were tired or we had other uh, priorities so that's not good enough like just saying that your interest is going to watch movies and uh, you know, I don't know, go golfing or whatever it may be, that's not enough. It really has, you really have to have common goals of where you're going, you know, and even race, um, you know, there's, this is a, t a touchy topic, but I'll just say what I've seen. I've seen a lot of couples from different backgrounds, different uh, ethnic backgrounds, and uh, this was a huge, huge adjustment for them, and very, very difficult mm -hmm. because of the way they were both raised, very different mentalities, the cultures, very different cultures, and it's really hard to blend that together because you're working already. You have so much to to adjust to. You have the fact that you're female. He's a male, like, you know, right, women right, and right men. There, right there, it's a challenge. Women and men don't think alike. And right there, you have a lot to adapt with and understanding uh, how men think and how women think, right? And then you have, you know, your, your Christian backgrounds and you have your status, whether you were poor, middle class or rich. So all that, and I know a lot of you are thinking, what does this have to do with a Christian family? God is, you know, all that matters. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of factors. It's not that we're not saying it's not possible. We're just saying it's a lot harder. Mm -hmm. It's a lot harder, and we've seen a lot of couples break up because of, you know, religious, sometimes it's even religious yeah. uh, reasons. You know, one's raised super conservative Baptist. The other one's Pentecostal, very li not, I won't say liberal, but more, um, you know, into spiritual gifts and talking in tongues and all kinds of different theologies. And then they're always fighting about it and how are we going to raise our kids. And, you know, so... You know, imagine, imagine if a Baptist thinks that speaking in tongues is of the devil 
And his wife, when she prays, you know, uh, in her own, you know, personal time, starts speak, speaking in tongues and he hears her. Or they that fight could, about the church. That's that they just go one to. example. I could lead to big fights. I mean, yeah, or they fight about the church they're going to raise their kids going to. And, you know, so like as much as possible, it's always best to, to find out when you're choosing a mate, when you're choosing somebody to date ask questions that's the best thing that's the best way to to know you know i was raised pentecostal but i went to a baptist moderate moderate pentecostal yeah it was conservative pentecostal but you know i also was familiar with the baptist background because i had gone to bible college my dad went uh you know went to different churches Uh, that were Baptist. So I, I knew basically, you know, both theologies, both doctrines and all that. And so when we talked, me and Sebastian, he, since he was raised in, um, not raised, but he had been going to a Baptist church for a while. No, he, I wasn't raised really. <laughs> he was going to a Baptist church. That's all he knew basically. But he was always open and thirsty to know more about God and open to learning. And I knew where my denomination was actually close-minded. So because I had read so many books from different, um, I guess, spiritual influences, uh, you know, Smith Wigglesworth on the one <laughs> hand. Or, so I, I would read Watchman Nee or Smith Wigglesworth, which are, which are very different, you know. One is very, very conservative, deeply spiritual. The other one is, is all about uh, gifts uh, and, healing. and, and healings and all that. So... And I was open to all that God had to offer, uh, although I went at a denomination that was more conservative. So when Liz told me she was Pentecostal, I didn't really mind that at all. But yeah, but I, I embraced a lot of both, you know. So so th these are conversations that we had, you know. We wanted to see if both of, uh, both of us were open and we both realized that, you know, religion didn't matter that much, that what we were both seeking was really to get... To know God and to experience God and to to really you know dive deeper in the Bible and you know discover new things and stuff. So we were very open. Yeah, to and that. some couples like they, they they don't like Liz said earlier the importance of asking questions early on. Some couples are going to date for six months and then ask the, the the other person how many kids do you want? Seriously, you might have a shocker. What yeah. if you want five and the other person wants one, maybe none? Then you're going to be like, whoa, I wasted six months of my life. Because you know? obviously this is a deal breaker. I mean, if you're going to consider a future with a person. Yeah. And the other big problem is that a lot of women, um, you know, do want children. And sometimes, depending on their age, will find somebody that has already had a family. And, you know, sometimes they're divorced. It was a bad experience. So he's had his family. He meets somebody new. Um, and he's like, I don't want to have other kids. And she thinks that because she's going to woo him and they're in love and whatnot, that eventually he'll change his mind. And oftentimes that's when the fights arise. And you you can't expect things like that of people. If they're honest with you and they're clear about it, they didn't want any more kids. They had, you know, even if it's an unfortunate way of, you know, something happened and Uh, their mar first marriage ended, but they have beautiful kids, and for them that's enough, and it ends there. You need to accept that if you're going to go into a relationship with this person, that you know if he says he doesn't want anymore, you have to assume that it's not going to change. So don't try to change people. You know, for some it might. I'm not saying it's not impossible. But for other people, it's just, no, I told you it was going to be like that. And then it ends up with heartbreak. And so, you know, just make sure that you're, when we talked about, you know, what you want out of life and the important things, like for me, it was crucial, crucial, so important for me to have kids. I knew that this was part of my destiny. I wanted to be a mom and I didn't even want to be have anything to do with a guy that didn't want kids and me i didn't even know i had a destiny so like uh, it, was, it was all right that's why it worked out really i'm just kidding <laughs> so you know like just you know you need to be choosy and you know don't get 
all uh you know he's wonderful and he's so good looking and so I just want to please I just want to please him and I'm just gonna give up on everything I really want just because you yeah. know he's so nice and he's so far. this and you know yeah like, it, it, it won't it won't last. be long as soon as soon the honeymoon's over you're gonna be like I gave up everything for you how <laughs> dare you anyway number four ladies look for a man with whom even the mundane is pleasant and I, by the way the last two points you're going to be like well duh well don't well duh me because let me tell you something the last two points even these last two points some women trip over them and i and for the life of me i just don't get it they are very practical and very normal i guess you could say but they're so important so what does that mean Find a man with whom even the mundane is pleasant. Well, whether we like it or not, even for the best of us, life is at least 65% a mundane experience. Okay? And here's an interesting statistical breakdown that I found online on the average North American lifespan. Okay? Get this. I'm going to read to you some statistics that I found really interesting about the average North American lifespan. The average person will spend in their lifetime 33 years in bed, 26 of which you will be sleeping, and 7 of which you are tossing and turning. So imagine that. In your lifetime, (laughs) 7 years of your life, you're tossing and turning in bed, can't sleep. 13 years you will spend in your lifetime working. And now here's a shocker. Here's a shocker, especially for you entrepreneurs listening to us. 11 years of screen time. <laughs> that, that, that is scary. Whether it's iPhone, tablet, TV, you name it. 11 years in front of a screen. Four and a half years eating. 200, you know, that's scary. That one too is very scary. 235 days waiting in line at the supermarket, at the bank. 235 days. That's crazy, huh? Yeah. Uh, Getting ready. Getting ready for work, getting ready for church, getting ready to go out, getting ready for a party. 46 days for men. Ladies, how many days for you? 136 days getting ready. You will spend, on average, 136 days. And I'm sure that number is very average. There's probably (laughs) women out there. It's like 300 days. 300, yeah. And... Since we're talking about romance, the average American will spend in their lifespan one year and 30 days on romance. One year and 30 days on romance. So wooing, being romantic and all that. (laughs) So make those days count, okay? So all this to say that the right partner should make even the most boring stuff at least semi-enjoyable by their presence because after all many moments we we spend together are spent doing ordinary things like washing dishes changing diapers waiting in line folding clothes folding clothes yeah we're good at that aren't we (laughs) well you know i mean as much as and i remember uh the pastor's wife at my church when i was uh, i was starting to date i was in my 20s and i was looking for a wife she took me aside and she said, I'm going to give you a word of advice. Women need to feel excited. When you meet a girl, you need to take her out and give her a good time. That's great advice if you want her to fall in love with you. But at the same time, when the mundane shows up, is she going to stay with you? That's what you got to ask yourself. <laughs> so if, if you make it so exciting in the dating phase and then when real life happens... The real you shows up and it's just not the exciting things anymore. Well, that could be a tough adjustment. Just saying. Yeah, so don't do too much bungee jumping in the beginning. (laughs) 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 No, but you know, we're laughing, but you know, Sebastian and I uh, were very similar in the sense that we're very different, but we weren't, you know, the sporty type. So we knew... (laughs) 
<laughs> and I was scared. So, oh, man, she asked me a question early on. So I asked him right away if he was a sporty type because I really did not care for sports. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was a trap. I thought she wanted a jock. And I was like, what do I answer to this? She's looking for a jock. I'm not a jock. Oh, dear. And then I tried to say, well, I do enjoy the occasional... Skiing. <laughs> skiing. And I knew just by his answer, because we, we, we started with online dating. Like, we, um, we met through a Christian website. So our first, you know, our first encounters together were through uh, internet, like just messaging each other. We hadn't even talked to each other yeah, on the phone yet. Yeah, I forgot to mention yet. that, yeah. So... So we'd ask each other questions to get to know each other better. And so I knew just by his answer, I was like, okay, this guy is not a sports guy. He's just trying to say the right thing. <laughs> so I, that, that was okay for me because I, I didn't want to go skiing every weekend. And, you know, like I like to go skating, but I'm not, you know, this super outdoorsy type, right? So if you're the opposite and that's really, really important to you, then... <laughs> You need to find out if it's important to the other person. However, yeah. you have to understand that, you know, when when you're married and, you know, there's routines and there's kids and stuff, you don't have as much time to do those things. And so it's important to, you know, be able to do ordinary things together. You know, like if you're in the dating phase, like, you know, maybe, you know, hang out with the person, go do grocery shopping, um, yeah. you know, go out for coffee and chit chat and see if the person just can do these normal just ordinary wash, things wash and the have car fun. together <laughs> have fun together doing these you know more or ordinary things and we realized that a lot of the ordinary stuff that was mundane out of life we we like doing we so wanted to be together that it didn't really matter i just always wanted to tag along whatever he was doing with his family there you go. and he wanted to tag along whatever i was doing with my family and that gives you a good clue you enjoy being together in the mundane stuff mm -hmm. it's a winner i mean this is good this is good stuff so number five and number five i know you got you girls you women they're all gonna go like well duh look for a man you are attracted to Duh. Well, yeah, really. <laughs> Just kidding. Have you ever wondered why the Bible tells us about how so-and-so was good-looking or so-and-so woman was beautiful? I think there's something there that, how can I put this? Beauty is something that has always been appreciated, no matter what epoch or, or what, you know, it's something that God has given us. And um, you have to find the person that's a potential mate or husband attractive. And here's what I'm trying to say. Don't settle. Let's say, oh, he's such a godly man. He treats me like a queen. Uh, he takes me out. He pampers me. He's wonderful. But I can't imagine myself kissing him. Hello. No, yeah, that's happened that you feel like no chemistry in a romantic way. But... You just idolize everything else about the person and think that it's just going to happen. It's just going to happen because he's so wonderful in all the other aspects that it's going to happen, like Liz said. Well, chances are it won't. You got to be aware of that. And you know what? It doesn't make you a bad person. If a man has been wooing you and he's got all the right ingredients and he's an amazing guy... And it's just not, there's just not that spark. There's, there's just nothing. And we're not saying that the person has to be super good looking. We're just saying you have to be attracted. There has to be some chemistry between both of you. Yes. Because it's important. You're going to be with the same person forever, right? Yeah. Till you die. So it's not like, oh, well, you know, he's not that good looking. And I don't know if we're going to have good looking kids and stuff. But he's such a sweet guy and he's going to take good care of me. Um, you know, the opposite can be dangerous too. I mean, there's some women that just want they the just, looks. They just want and the, they, the beautiful they, guy. And, and all the they, other they, points, they kind of just brush them under the cover because they're so infatuated with the person. That's not That's dangerous too. I mean, there has to be a good balance there. There you go. So, yeah, and, and I, I put down a list of the men in the Bible that were said to be very good looking. Moses was said to be good looking. David was, set, was said to be full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. 
Imagine that, perfect in beauty. What does that mean? He must have been a good-looking chap. Adonijah was said to be a beautiful child, and he was hidden for three months. Uh, Hananiah, God said about Hananiah, don't be impressed with his looks and stature. So he was good-looking and tall. Okay, uh, King Saul was said to be handsome in form and appearance. Daniel, the prophet Daniel. And we, it's funny because when I read the Bible, I don't expect prophets to be good-looking. I don't know why. Well, I always see them as with a long white beard and, and like very like mountain men who, who live as <laughs> recluse. You know? But Daniel was said uh, to be, listen to this, from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. Wow. He was a good-looking man. Uh, Joseph was said to uh, be a, a really handsome guy. Uh, and Absalom, uh, David's son, uh, we know about his hair. He was apparently had incredible hair. And it's said that there was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. I think the scripture takes the time to mention these details because in the human experience, they are important. And when I say important, like Liz said, don't make it over important, but respect the fact that there has to be that spark. Respect the fact that you have to look at that person and want to gaze upon them, want to just keep your, your eyes on them and say, you know, I'm so lucky to be looking at that face. And the, like they say, the, the beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So... You know, God matches people that go, that are meant for each other and, you know, they're going to feel that connection together. doesn't mean that they're, they look like models. So don't, you know, we don't want you to misunderstand. We're not talking about being superficial and vain. We're just saying that, you know, this is an important point. And if you are looking at a, a spouse or a mate and you've been courted and, you know, the guy's like always... Uh, trying to get your attention you know he's interested but there just isn't that connection well even if he has other points uh, you guys you know might not make each other happy because there isn't that chemistry that's a good point and you know we're we're reaching the end of the podcast and i'm just going to give my two cents here as a man okay if you're a woman and whether you're 25 or 50 whether you're considering marriage for a first or a second time. My mom used to say, a woman is like a flower. She needs to be picked up. I know we live in 2018. You know, I know that. But there's just something that is so vital, I think, in the dynamics of the budding relationship when it's the guy who makes the first step. I know it might sound old school, but I believe that with all my heart. The Bible says that a man who findeth a wife findeth a good thing. Well, it's the man who's been looking, apparently, according to that verse. So he's the one who found the wife. And I think it's important for women to let themselves be found. And like Elizabeth said, to attract that mate, that great guy, by being that great gal, by being everything that God wants you to be as a woman. So dance with Jesus and wait for that guy to come and ask to cut in. And don't wait in your four walls where nobody's going to find you or see you <laughs> because you ain't going to find a man that way. There's a lot of women that are just, you know, living like hermits and, uh, you know, go into church and get out as fast as they can. Well, that's not where you're going to find somebody, right? So you have to, you know give yourself a chance to meet somebody and involve yourself in different social activities and church and stuff and different Christian events. And uh, they have all kinds of stuff now, you know, summer camps, winter camps, all kinds of stuff for people that are single. So, you know, be part of those things. Give yourself a chance to meet somebody. Or if you're the four walls kind of person, go on Christian dating sites. Yeah, we've done that. We actually, <laughs> we... I actually went just because one of my friends, uh, which was a lot older, you know, recommended it just because I was, you know, working and taking care of my grandmother at the time and I didn't have much time to meet somebody. And I, I actually just went out of curiosity because I was pretty young. I didn't think ever that I would find somebody 
online and that was back in the day uh 2000, 2000, 2001. Yeah, something like that, 2001, where, you know, if you went on the internet to find somebody, you were creepy and you wouldn't <laughs> find a creeper. <laughs> like, yeah, you know? it, wasn't, it wasn't what it is today. I mean, online dating was, you know, starting to, to gain popularity, but it wasn't by any means something that, like, when you, when I told people I found my wife online, they looked at me like, wow. <laughs> I, used to say, I used to say to people, I found my wife. My house and my dog online. I love the internet. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, like that was back in the day. And, you know, both of us were kind of, you know, like social, but not that much. And, um, you know, we weren't, we didn't go out that much. And, you know, because of our circumstances and stuff. And I had different responsibilities and stuff. So, you know, God brought us together. But I'll say that one thing um, that was true for both of us is that we both prayed that God would bring the right person to us and that he would prepare the other person's heart yeah. and our hearts. So, you know, there's a there's a, a chemistry, there's a timing in things where, you know, later on when we talked, there was just a timing that was off for when he was searching and there was a timing that was oh, yeah. off for me when I had lost my mom and, and the age on, difference also later on went off to bible college it just was not the right timing and god had prepping to do in my heart and during that year of bible college and sebastian had some maturing to do and uh you know different things that happened in our lives that we understood why things happened when they did so you know sometimes it's not because you're wishing and praying and praying and praying and ready that the other person that God has designed for you has set aside for you is ready. Yeah. So you have to pray for the other person. And, you know, someone told when someone um, that I esteem very much said, you know, you can pray for your soulmate, for the person that God has planned for you and pray, you know, for them to 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 find you and for them to be ready and for them to be that that godly man that you're looking for well you know god will will really answer that prayer and he really did for us yeah and it was kind of weird because we had that conversation years and years later i told elizabeth that uh i had begun praying for my future wife when i was 23 i think and uh and i, pr I prayed regularly for my future wife that god would bring her to me protect her guide or keeper whatever and uh, we realized uh looking back that at the, the those years that i was praying for her were years when she was a teenager who had just lost her mom so you know when you're praying for your spouse for your future spouse whether you're 25 or 50 or 30 uh, you don't know what they're going through. You don't know where they're at in their lives. And it can have a huge impact. I mean, I'm sure that the prayers I prayed back then actually probably strengthened Elizabeth during those uh, difficult moments she was living as a teenager because it's not easy to lose a parent, especially when you're uh, just 16 years old. Exactly. So, um, you know, all these pointers, I know there's a lot of different things and it can seem, especially if you're younger looking for, um, you know, all these points can be overwhelming. So like Sebastian once said, you know, Lord, do my courtship for me and guide me to towards the right person. And well, that's put, why it's so important to pray. Let's put them in context. Dude. I was so incompetent with the opposite sex. And after a while, I went to God. I said, okay, uh, if it was good for Billy Graham, because Billy Graham prayed that, it's good for me, Lord. So do my <laughs> courtship for me, please. <laughs> yeah, so put yourself out there. Pray. Um, pray for your future spouse. And, you know, be choosy in the different yes. points that we're, we talked about. Respect yourself. And look for those common goals uh, you, you know, and look especially for a person that really, a man that really wants to please God and cares about, you know, doing God's will. That is so, so important because in everything else, I cannot stress it enough. In everything else, I've seen it uh, in my own marriage, how 
Sebastian always wants to please God. Every direction, every decision we take as a married couple, every decision we've taken towards our uh, upraising our kids, all of that plays on the line, you know. And if he hadn't had the desire to please God, even if he didn't have the greatest background in the past of how he was raised, uh, it would have been very, very hard for me to raise children in in a godly way, right? So that was so important. And, you know, that's always been really important to him is to raise children that love the Lord and that seek his his will and want to please him. And that's what we teach our children. So that's that's why I'm saying it has to be important for him at 19, at 18, whatever age you meet him, because it's going to follow in the rest of his life. Amen to that. So we're reaching the end of this episode. We really hope it's been a blessing to you guys. And I just want to mention, uh, we'll be taking a hiatus for the month of December. So this episode is airing on um, November 26th of this year. So for the month of December, we'll be taking a hiatus. There's a lot of work we have for Thriving on Purpose. There's a lot of future projects that we want to implement. And with the holidays coming, we know you guys are busy too. You're, you're, you're going to be doing a lot of stuff preparing for the holidays and all that. So we know maybe the, the, our listeners' minds aren't as focused on listening to podcasts these days. And we just want to use that time to further our own business. But we'll be back with a bang in January. Yeah, so we there's a lot of content that we're preparing for Thriving on Purpose for January. So we really want to take um, a break from getting all those podcasts out because there's a lot that God has been showing us and working in us and we have great plans that the Lord is guiding us towards in 2019. So we know that we're going to come back and give you some really great meat and some really great podcasts. So we just want to get recharged and refocused and, uh, you know, really give you uh, really good content in 2019. So We wish you great holidays and be blessed and thrive on. Thanks for listening to the Thriving on Purpose podcast. Be sure to visit thrivingonpurpose.com to access the show notes and to discover more fantastic content. Until next time, be blessed and may you thrive on purpose.